everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to this week in Bitcoin. Today is June the 5th, 2020. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Offended by selling. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. All right, we're going to start off by talking about personal responsibility because it seems like a lot of people don't have that anymore in the world today. Oh, my. But everybody, remember, follow me on Twitter, TechBall, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T, uh, DisruptMeister.com, all the old shows. We've got an old, ugly goat here. He's going to give us one side of the story here from his veteran perspective on life. And then we've got the uh, the exciting, energetic Christian bringing it live from San Francisco. Oh, yeah. So let's start off with Christian here because uh, he's familiar with uh, one of the sayings of this show. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. And right, right before the show, we were talking about uh, there seems like there's a little bit of a lack of a personal responsibility in the world today and people are, are going wild. So what's up, Christian? Well, I mean, we know that there's a lack of personal responsibility. And part of that is just because the the state has become so large and such a huge part of our lives uh, that it's, you know, people are conditioned to kind of depend on it and other institutions around them. Uh, so, you know, coming from a more libertarian mindset, um, we need the state to become smaller in order for people to fill those parts of their lives with their own, you know, with their own responsibility, with, with, with their family, with their friends, with the people around them without um, uh, on the man, on the president, on whoever to dictate and feed them and give them housing and pay them and make their, make their lives great. Uh, so I feel like we've gotten to this point in our lives and in our society where government is huge. And then when you see the, the enforcement arm of the government kill your brother and your neighbor in the street, uh, it freaks you the F out because you're just so dependent on them already. Ah, wow. Very, very good point there. What do you think about the people in our community to say, well, just protest with Bitcoin? What, what do you think about that? Uh, is that just too overreaching or? I mean, I don't think that it's overreaching. I actually think that Bitcoin is a true and very um, powerful option for a peaceful revolution. But for people outside of the community, there's just so much onboarding and education that needs to be had for them to understand that the root of our problems is not red team, blue team. It's not black, white. It's actually the, the, the monetary system that it's built on and the incentive system that we're utilizing to organize. Uh, so it's not intuitive. It's really the opposite of what everyone's putting their energy into. So while I do think it's true, um, sometimes it might not be the best wording to go to newbies and say, Bitcoin fixes this because to them, they're like, get, get out of town. <laughs> All right. And there seems to be some, uh, skate, lots of people like to scapegoat when, uh, when we have a, a big problem like this and simplify. And some people are pointing toward capitalism. They're like, you see, it's the, it's the capitalistic system that's keeping everybody down. And we've got to rip that. We've got to expand the government. So uh, everything that you're saying, it seems like people are going in. Well, a lot of the loud people out there are going in another direction in terms of what they're promoting. So uh, I think we're, we're safe here in the Bitcoin overlay. As long as we got our Bitcoin, we're in good shape, even if things go to uh, go to the socialism way, which I uh, 
who knows? You, you know, this has been such a wild year. You don't know what's around the corner next. I mean, what's, what's the next big thing that's going to happen? All right, uh, Ugly Old Goat, your time to talk about uh, uh, personal responsibility and, and, and the current event situation. I, I think what's going on, I'm, I'm kind of having fun. And uh, it's not fun to watch what's going on. But one of the things that I've found is is really, it's, I mean, I Bitcoin is, it, it is going to transcend this. And I, I don't think that's an overreach. But by the same token, there are, you know, there's very real things going on right now. I mean, my, my son lives in La Mesa, which is a, a beautiful suburb of San Diego. And the trolley runs out that way. And, and they, uh, you know, they, they rioted and looted the town and burned down a, a, a a couple of banks, a number of small businesses, a Cratton business that we regularly visit, I understand was completely looted. And so, and you know, when he, you know, he was there witnessing it and I could tell there was genuine fear, uh, you know, on his face. And so, uh, you know, we, we don't want the, we don't want a society without laws. I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, I am. I do believe in, you know, l very limited government, and I do believe in capitalism, which I don't think we we don't have that in the United States. And 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 I'm for freedom, uh, but there are very specific lines that are that uh, that have been developed to to handle these situations, and and you need. If, if you're going to go out, look, I've, I've done over 11 years in prison. I've been beat up by the cops. I've had police lie. I have, I've had exculpatory evidence concealed from me. They used my children to try and set me up and never reveal that, that, this, that this was going on. My defense was, hey, I'm being set up. <laughs> and I was, but they, they, they hit all that information. Um, so, you know, I, I say the sentencing, uh, you know, is just draconian uh, and it was very, uh, 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 you know, the sentencing guidelines for crack cocaine was just uh, far excessive in relationship to what it was uh, for regular cocaine. And that severely affected the black neighborhoods uh, rather than, than, you know, the, the white guys that had a lot of cocaine did not get the sentences to somebody with a little bit of crack had. So there are real things that need to be addressed. But, you know, the question now is how are we going to be personally responsible? And one of the things that, that I've been sort of emphasizing is you, we cannot, uh, we have to distinguish between peaceful protesting uh, and uh, nonviolent re non resistance. They are two different things, and they are legally spelled out. And if you are decided, I've done both. I've peacefully protested. I have uh, nonviolently resisted. But if you go the route of nonviolent resistance, there can be consequences. You can be pushed back. You can be arrested. You can be rubber bulleted. You can be tased. You can be killed. Because you've just asked, uh, you, you've, you're, you've gone that, that other line. And I just tried to illustrate that uh, in a prison situation, real prison situation that I had. And maybe I should tell this story because I did tweet it out. 
And that is, uh, I was in uh, the shoe, the 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 hole basically, and the uh, and I if you're in the shoe, and I was there, I was there for over a year at one stretch, but uh, at night we'd go crazy at night. You know, that's when they and they'd sleep all day. Well, during the day, one day, the uh, and they, at night I would participate in this craziness, and I would do this thing. I said, "You know what I can do with my big hairy arms and my ruby red lips?" And I shout that just occasionally, every twenty minutes or an hour. You know, finally somebody said, "My handle was Big Bird," and they said, "Okay, Big Bird." What can you do with your big hairy arms and your ruby red lips? And I'm like, boom, boom, Okay, but here's the situation. During the day, one time we were all sleeping, and they brought these a tourist crowd, and they were all local politicals or maybe some federal, and they were all different colors and women, and and they were just they were, uh, you know, midterm politicians. They took them for a tour, and we were all saying, "What is this?" We kind of felt like zoo animals that they were taking, you know, these outsiders to look at us prisoners. So I shouted out, "Do you know what I can do with my big hairy arms and my ruby red lips?" And I did that three times, you know. And finally, they said, "No, Big Bird, tell us what can you do with your big hairy arms and ruby red lips?" So I, well, in the meantime, it was just hilarious to watch because. Here the, and the guards knew all what I was doing, and they were, but they, under orders, they had to rush everybody out. Oh, you know, because the, the, these visitors were being threatened by a dangerous prisoner. So uh, immediately after it was all done, I said, "Okay, bro, you know, cuff up." So you, you know, I had, I knew, I put my arms out. They cuffed me. And they put me in a room all by myself in isolation, no clothes except my pink underwear, no mattress or nothing for 24 hours because I had to be under observation to make sure I wasn't uh, uh, hurting myself or other people, okay? Had I resisted and said, no, I'm not going to get cuffed up, then they had every right to come into me with the pepper spray and use whatever force they could to subdue me because I was displaying, uh, I was a a uh, danger to either myself or other people according to most reasonable people and i get it it was set up it was i paid the price but it was worth it but i wasn't going to resist to the point not cough up if you're before a police line in which i saw this and somebody was saying you know peace peace i love you i love, but they were ordered to move you're not loving the cop if you're sitting there and not moving because he doesn't care how much you say he's loving. He's going to push you back and move you. And so you guys, you know, clarify the situation. Hey, if you want to resist, all for it. But face the consequences. Two different things. All right. I want to say one thing about your uh, tale from prison there. Pound that like button if that just scared you straight, people. That entire story should make you think about being careful out there and not ending up where he ended up. You don't want to end up being Big Bird in the family. All right. Now, uh, Christian, uh, it was a helpful Christian, what did we, 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 we got Ross Albright. This all leads into what was brought up to me that, uh, that the Ross uh, petition – has 300,000 uh, signatures now. And so obviously the whole world is uh, talking about, not the, the United States seems to be talking about uh, 
police and, and legal related uh, issues these days. And I just, I wanted to remind everyone that he's uh, set serving a double life sentence without parole plus 40 years for a website that he made. It was Silk Road uh, when he was 26 years old. Um, and it's okay. Uh, it was, he was an entrepreneur, had a nonviolent charge at trial. He was uh, never prosecuted for causing any harm or bodily injury and no victim was named at the trial. So, uh, Christian, do you have any any thoughts in this uh, day and age on uh, that that travesty that's uh, going on over there? So, uh, before I get into Ross, I would like to address a little bit of what Ugly Goat said, and I think that one of the big things that people push back on is the fact that the force used against people for uh, nonviolent resistance or whatever you want to call it is very inconsistent. Um, and right now, the scenes from these riots and protests are really, really, really a bad look for most police. Um, there's just been so many videos of just, it seems as though police acting bad, police, I mean, granted, they are in a tough situation. They're probably scared. Uh, they're outnumbered probably 100 to 1, uh, if not two or 500 or 1,000 to 1, which is very, very scary, even if you have body armor and guns. But there's just a lot of a lot of evidence of police acting bad, and I think that a lot of this anger has to do with police acting bad in minority communities to begin with. And again, you know, there's a lot of nuance there and a case by case basis type situation, but uh, it's not clear, and it seems as though um, you know law enforcement is just not consistent, and that's one of the problems. Uh, going into Ross, um, the story of Ross is super super sad. Uh, the woman or the judge that prosecuted him was trying to make a huge example of him. Uh, it seems as though everything has been completely unfair towards him. And uh, despite this, uh, this petition, it seems as though really his only chance is to have a presidential pardon. I don't know if that's actually a fact, uh, and I am not a lawyer, but from my understanding is that there's very few options left for Ross. Um, and it, it's sad uh, that, you know, someone who's an innovator, someone who's pushing for freedom, and someone uh, that was an early Bitcoin adopter is in this position. And uh, I think that Bitcoiners in general should take Ross as a, a sad example. And a lot of what's happening in uh, current society right now is an example of why you need to protect your privacy, why you need to be you know, very careful with uh, your OPSEC and uh, broadcasting your wealth or broadcasting um, your opinions about certain things on certain platforms, uh, you know, it's just make sure that you are not incriminating yourself now or uh, in the future date. So, uh, you know, there is a big government that's draconian right now. That's a fact of life. And until that changes, uh, it doesn't help to be ignorant of it. I mean, what do you think about the overall narrative that's out there? Just like do, do as, you know, we, there's a riot. So we're going to have a curfew. Take away. You can't go out at night. Uh, there's a disease. Uh, you got to stay in your house. I mean, it's, and people are, are buying it. People are buying the narrative of just like fear and let the government, I'm just going to believe what they're going to tell me. And uh, I, I'm going to be a, a compliance, the compliance narrative. What do you think about that, Christian? And has San Francisco, now that they're, do they still care about the uh, virus up there? I, that, that's, I, I'm very curious. Yeah. SF is quite locked down. It's been very locked down. Um, SF as a population is well suited for lockdown because there's so many tech workers that can just easily work from home. 
Um, you know, not many cities essentially have a hundred percent remote friendly work staff. Um, and people here are liberal and compliant for the most part. Um, so lockdown is definitely very severe. Um, Matt O'Dell actually brought up this point on the Bitcoin magazine drinks in quarantine last night was that he was very sad by the response to the lockdown that no one resisted. Everyone just went into their hole, accepted the narrative. Um, but he was, uh, he was made a little bit more happy or at least hopeful based on the, the protests and reactions against the curfew, against, um, the, the police brutality. Uh, and it seems as though people are waking up. So, uh, while there are people that are complying, there is a, there are a lot of people that are waking up like never before. I think Signal as a privacy messaging app uh, broke its all-time downloads and hit top 10 downloads on the App Store uh, this past week. Uh, so liberal or conservative leaning that uh, maybe the police and uh, the government don't always have their best interests in mind, don't always do the right thing and don't always make the right decisions. And personally, I think that if there isn't a massive uptick in COVID cases uh, that ravage all these cities, that social distancing is over. Um, I think that it's just no longer in the zeitgeist of the people. And the fact that people are just getting out in, th- in thousands, uh, despite the threat of this invisible enemy uh, of death, uh, it kind of just shows that they're over it. You know, it's been eight plus weeks now, uh, nine weeks of, of lockdown across the country and people are over it. Oh, big. I like that using Zeitgeist. Pound that like button. Uh, all right, uh, Ugly, do you have any uh, thoughts on what Christian just said? Anything? Uh, yeah, I, rather than, I, I, I don't know the details of the Ross Albright. I mean, obviously, without knowing the, the details, I can certainly see that the sentencing was uh, dracon- is and was draconian. Uh, but uh, I, I would kind of use this space to even bring what I think people that have really addressed the issue very successfully and nobody's on the streets uh, protesting this. And I'm not talking about somebody that, you know, I'm talking about people that have been locked up for crimes they never committed and have been uh, basically found innocent. And sometimes even after all that evidence comes about, it takes years to get them out. And so I just want to give a big kudos and support to the Innocence Project because I, you know, I know of those cases that they've done. And so if it takes a Ross Albrecht to wake up what's already going on uh, within our uh, prison and justice system, then I'm all for it. Because Ross Albrecht is not, he's not alone. He's not the only one. Uh, I, again, I'm not going to argue the innocence on this. I'm going to, I'm, because I don't know. I, I'm just, and I'm not saying either way, but I can say as far as the sentencing goes, uh, you know, we, and a lot of this we've taken, I don't know how it is now because I know they've reformed it. And I know that, you know, as much as bad press Trump gets, he was the president that got rid of, of these the sentencing guidelines that were throwing on these huge, uh, sentences. And I think Ross Albrecht was actually convicted before uh, these changes were made. I'm not sure. But I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't know what guidelines they used to sentence a guy. But, you know, again, I was a jailhouse lawyer, so I'm fairly familiar with the law. But if I started to look at the case, I'd want to really get into it. And I got enough on my plate. I, 
I'm going to let other people do that. All right. Uh, and uh, Christian, before we move basically back to Bitcoin, any, any more thoughts on this uh, beyond Bitcoin topic? Well, I mean, I guess talking about uh, the expansion of the prison system and, you know, the fact that prisons have been growing nationwide since 1971 uh, and kind of bringing it back to Bitcoin. If the government couldn't print all the wealth that they wanted um, then and couldn't print all the money that they wanted, they probably couldn't afford to, uh, you know, keep so many people in prison. Uh, so it does seem that. You know, at the root of this problem, again, is the money. And this is why we are all here in Bitcoin, because we think that taking the money out of the state's hands effectively makes it impossible for them to finance war, finance an excessive police force, finance all this extra laws, finance the war on drugs, finance all these things that have been encroaching on our lives for so many years. And and what happens is you build all these bureaucracies. For example, you know, in prison, they have all the drug rehab programs. Well, is it really the government's job to rehab drug? No, it's not any more than it is to educate us. You know, we can do that as individuals much better on our own, which we're learning that. People are saying, hey, why do I need this? college education that they're willing to borrow, you know, loan me all this money and I'll be in debt the rest of my life when I can go online and pay a small fee of one of these private services that have it all there for me to grasp and hold on to. I mean, what a liberating thing this is. And, you know, I know like my grandparents, they were, uh, they only had an eighth grade education, but they were well-educated. They were better educated than probably the average college graduate is today. They knew their reading. They called it the three R's back then, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic. And you got those down, uh, you know, you pretty well could make your way around the world. Uh, You know, so I mean, I kind of believe in keep it simple, stupid. I'm also, you know, the other thing that they do is they want to have control of you. That's why they have these senses. And I think, you know, I frankly, I'm more in favor of bringing back a form, a limited form of corporal punishment. Yeah, bad boy, spank him, uh, you know, or something, because they didn't get it when they're a, 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 a child. And I do believe, you know, you, you spare the rod, you spoil the, the child. And it goes back not to the new Adam, not to the Adam Meister that we know, but it goes back to the old original Adam. Right, Adam? And I have a son named Adam, so I like that name. <laughs> but yeah, no. you're, you're pretty old school there. Corporal punishment. All Let's jump back into uh, to Bitcoin here. Now that we got all the social stuff out of the way. Uh, I want to I bring it to Christian. It seems like uh, Grayscale controls the world uh, just by the stuff I'm reading. Uh, they keep on buying more Bitcoin that's being mined. Uh, what do you think about this, Christian? So... I, I think Grayscale is definitely a double-edged sword. Grayscale is phenomenal for Bitcoin price appreciation. It is sucking up so much supply out of the market. And at this point, it's sucking up, like Adam alluded to, uh, the Grayscale Trust is sucking up more Bitcoin on a daily basis than are actually being produced. So that's super freaking bullish. Grayscale itself is also a one-way mechanism. So Bitcoins do not leave the trust unless the trust is dissolved. That's the only way for Bitcoins to leave the trust. Um, so that's super, super bullish. Here's the bearish part. Tons and tons of Bitcoin are going into one custodian's hands. And that custodian happens to be probably the most anti-Bitcoin custodian there is, which is Coinbase. 
Um, there's a lot of negative uh, sentiment towards Coinbase. Today, it was just announced that Coinbase is going to start selling blockchain analysis to the Department of Justice and uh, the IRS. Um, Coinbase has been Coinbase has been acting bad for a long time. Coinbase has been arguably anti-Bitcoin for quite a long time, and they have a lot of Bitcoin. I really wish, like when when uh, Grayscale decided to move their Bitcoin to Coinbase for their custody, I tweeted out like, why does Barry think that it's a good idea to put more Bitcoins into Coinbase? It's not a good idea. So while I do think that Grayscale is phenomenal, DCG is great for Bitcoin, despite being shit coiners. Sorry. Um, uh, it, it, it is scary to just see close to a million Bitcoins inside of Coinbase. That's close to 120, 21st of the entire supply. So I do not like that. All right. I want to hear uh, ugly old goat. You've got, a, I mean, what do you think about Coinbase? You're a regular dude. You're a regular dude. Uh, ugly old dude. Well, I, I'm, in, uh, I'm in one situation that was resolved that I can't talk about. Okay. But there are other situations and I was the initiator of a uh, class action that was settled. Uh, I think Billy Restus was the lawyer behind it, and I was basically provided the affidavits to where it was the judge ordered it to proceed. And it was settled. I don't know the terms there, uh, but it was settled. Uh, it wasn't as widespread as we thought, but. I'm probably still not done there, uh, but basically, I, I do know that there was a situation that I that I have sent out uh, a bunch of uh, people in Bitcoin way back in 2013, and after I'd already gone through litigation and I said, "Okay, we're done," and I promise you not to sue for anything in the future, I found out that a lot of these people never got their Bitcoin. And uh, that's what that's what the the, law, the class action was about. And there, yeah, but this sounds kind wait, of wait, 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 wait a second. So I was wrong. I was a little wrong. You're not a regular guy when it comes to Coinbase. You, you're, you're a little bit more uh, intertwined in, in legal. Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably start writing about it. Here's how it works, guys. If you really want to, I'm going to probably write uh, the actions that need to be taken in Coinbase, particularly if you've ever been screwed by them. Uh, you, you're limited, but they are located in California. So you have a remedy, and that is the small claims court. Now, you cannot, if when you go into the terms of service of Coinbase, the terms of service, you are agreeing never to sue them. But if you have a dispute, you have agreed to go into arbitration. Of course, the arbitration service is where they're located, which is San Francisco or NRA next to them. So you have traveling expenses. It's hard for you and easy for them. And so the way to get around that, the thing that, that they're exempt from is you can still take them to small claims court. So as long as you're willing to settle for you know $10,000 or less, or the, that's the amount, uh, you can do that. And uh, like I say, Coinbase can be killed with not by, uh, it'd be very difficult with a large uh, lawsuit, but with a thousand cuts, <laughs> it can be done, I think, quite easily, depending upon how many shenanigans they pulled. But I do know they pulled a lot. Oh, so, wow. wow. Yeah. Well, and so basically, that's how we can do it. You can do it as an individual. And all of a sudden, they get hit with a thousand or 10,000 small claims courts. It'll be interesting to see just how they fare. Interesting. Interesting take on it. Remember, everyone, Bitcoin's price uh, went up recently and Coinbase crashed again. So, 
I, I'm just on the technical side of things. I am still, sh I mean, I, I'm always happy when I hear they crash because I know people, I just know it's early still that such a big player is, is crashing still. And Christian, do you have any take on, on that? Like when they're going to get their stuff together in terms of technical? So I'm just echoing what other people are saying. I'm non-technical. I'm just a pundit. But um, yeah, it seems as though Coinbase is just a lot more focused on adding new tokens, supporting uh, their trading features, but they just can't focus in on building a good Bitcoin product. And it's kind of sad because they they had such an opportunity to be a fantastic Bitcoin company and they started off as a fantastic Bitcoin company and they rode Bitcoin to the top of the charts as the easiest way to buy Bitcoin. And since then, they've just absolutely squandered it. Brian Armstrong just seems like he just has absolutely no idea what Bitcoin is about. Um, and to be honest, like I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that Coinbase appears to be the AOL of Bitcoin. I'm glad that Coinbase is giving up their dominant position, hopefully, because the fact that they already have 1 million Bitcoins in their custody is enough. Like if they were actually a good company for Bitcoin, people actually wanted to put their Bitcoins there, maybe they'd have an even more dominant position uh, on the Bitcoin supply. So I'm glad that they have less of it. Hopefully, I mean, maybe they don't know. Like, it's, it's an alternative reality where Coinbase is actually friendly to Bitcoin. Um, but um, I, I'm very, very uh, thankful and excited to see the growth of the Bitcoin-only industry. Bitcoin Magazine, the company that I work for, is a Bitcoin-only publication. We're seeing a lot of amazing Bitcoin-only on-ramps, Cash App, Swan, River. Um, these did not exist in 2017. Uh, going into 2020, 2021, uh, these are fantastic services that do not, you know, do anything to, uh, you know, confuse users. They make it about education. They're making it about Bitcoin. Uh, BJ Boyapati wrote a fantastic article a long time ago about how it's not about going horizontal on crypto. It's about going vertical on Bitcoin and providing exactly. services across Bitcoin. Um, so uh, I think that there's a lot of companies that are following that thesis and, uh, I think that they're going to compete because at the heart of it, it's not about crypto. It's not about shit, poop coins. It's about it's about Bitcoin. Well, let's let's go back to the horizontal on crypto because clearly that's what Coinbase is doing. The way Coinbase makes money is off of fees, is off of trading fees and, and, and buying fees. So the more they offer, the more coins they offer, the more likely they're going to get traded. They're going to get bought. There's, it, I, I, I see I see what they're doing and. Uh, uh, it's, it's just, yeah, they're, they're spreading themselves pretty thin though. Short-term thinking, yeah. taking the, taking the money now and not the reputation. And, and I mean, like it's, it's just like why most people shouldn't trade. I know ugly old goat is a fantastic trader and, uh, not most people can't do that. Most people shouldn't be trading because they're going to be trading small moves and they're missing the biggest bull market in history. Uh, so that's what Coinbase is doing right now. They're taking, they're taking the income now and they're, they're giving up their position in the future in Bitcoin. Well, but the scary thing is they they are they do have that huge hodl, and basically it is uh, ultimately uh, seizable. Uh, you know, it's not unconfiscatable, and th that's you know the big the big uh, thing that I that I was taught by Tone Vase and Tyler Jenks, and that's one of the qualities that that makes Bitcoin unique. And we're giving up that quality. It's very disappointing. Yeah, with Barry Siebert. I mean, 
I'm not a fan of, of the GPs. I mean, I get it. I understand why people want something like that. But it's because of government. Government gave, gave you, okay, if you do this with your money, we're not going to tax it. You know, so if you, you know, the problem is if you're going to go that route, you, you give, you, your Bitcoin is going to be confiscated. Every one of those accounts ultimately is confiscatable because you, we accepted, okay, the government gave us the right to defer the income or how they have different plans. I'm not going to go into all that, but you know what I'm talking about. And the only way that you can, you know, put Bitcoin in your portfolio is to use the, you know, the GPTC or whatever it is. And, and yeah, it's, it's, that's not a good use case for Bitcoin. And all we can do is keep preaching, uh, you know, get your, get your funds off of, of, of Coinbase. And I wouldn't touch GPTC. I have no, but I have no reason to. And uh, I did find out that I have a small retirement uh, account somewhere that has maybe 30,000 in it. So I guess I'll have to go claim that and, and move it over to something where I can trade G maybe I'll trade GPTs then uh, that way or, or buy, I like to buy Bitcoin and take delivery. That's what I really would like. Dude, to do. Way, if you get an old retirement fund, but I mean, when would you be allowed to cash it out? I mean, I, I, okay, we, 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 we're going to get into the specifics. Let's not get to his Yeah, job. I don't know. It's like I say, I, you know, I trade Bitcoin. I understand Bitcoin. Uh, when you go into all these tax laws, it gets kind of complicated. But that's basically what Coinbase is set up so that GPTC is compliant, you know, and, and that's why they're doing it. And people want to put it. So, you know what? If we talk about we want less government in, in our lives, let's get rid of income tax. You know, let's get rid of the Fed. Uh, let's, uh, you know, we, we no man's late. Hey, you know, you young people out there protesting, I got a real simple message for you. Pick up on this one. Nobody's labor should be taxed. Nobody's labor should be taxed. That's it. Somebody would run on that and become president and give us that gift. Oh, that would be such a wonderful thing. That's where we're all being oppressed. There's that is slavery. They had to pass an amendment to tax people's labor, and they did it. My during my grandparents' era. Let's undo that, baby. You know Down that like <laughs> well. Now that we, since we have a man who's a trader here, okay. Now, as Christian said, I, I mean, for I'm obviously everybody knows I'm the strong hand dude, and I I do not encourage trading, but I got this never trader. sell. I, I got this trader on today. So uh, what are your, uh, how you doing with that old ugly goat? And uh, what, what do you, what's your uh, short, uh, are you bullish or bearish? Well, that's never asked that question. You can ask me whether I'm long or short and I'll tell you. All right. Longer. So long I'm, I'm definitely long Bitcoin. I'm short some, some, uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm short uh, Ethereum and, and I don't own any Ethereum, but I sell it, you know, and I don't even, you know what? I don't even trade. My wife trades, okay, because it's just easier for her to trade than it is for me. But I I help her. It's, we, we're partners in our trading. Then that's the goat lady. But, yeah, I I, uh, I don't own any, any shit. I, I was a big believer in shit coins. You know, I went down the same road as everybody else, and then I kept educating myself. And I... Basically, I, it wasn't until I restudied Hayek, and you know, Hayek, I, I wrote this article, you know, 
Bitcoin is a standard according to Hayek. Because if you read denationalization of money, uh, he actually says you, it's got to be not just free market money, but also banking. And then he also later on, he wrote an article. He actually saw, saw something emerge that was going to be the standard. But the standard was not going to be used as cash. Gold was never used as cash except in one place, and that was during the California gold rush when it was plentiful. It was never going, gold coins rarely circulated. You could own it, you're free to, but who owned the gold was either banks or rich people uh, and the governments because it was a settling. And that's where Bitcoin's going to be going. And the people don't, but, but that's where, if, it, if it's sound money, and I believe it is, that's where we're going to be going. And, you know, that. What's, so, what's, I mean, you, I mean, that's your prediction for the future right there. I mean, we just had a halving. How was that for you? How was the having? Well, it's completely irrelevant to me. Okay. And there isn't that, just like the, the people say there's Bitcoin inflation. No, there isn't. There's 22 million that are created and just some of them aren't there yet. So how's that inflation? Inflation is if you're increasing the money supply. We know what the money supply of Bitcoin is. It's just they're not all quite there yet. That's not inflating the currency, folks. And what's, that's, a, that's another term you know, like maximalism that, that the shitcoiners have given us, and then we've adopted it to explain things. But Bitcoin has no inflation. There's a fixed supply. That's what's so cool about it. And because that supply is delayed doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it's being inflated. And uh, oh, that, that's the difference. Now, now we're talking about the future a little bit here. Uh, uh, well, Christian, I'll, I'll let you chime in if you have anything to add about the having or anything like that. Uh, and uh, but it, with everything that's going on, it's crazy in this world today. Is it over or is it just about to get more crazy, Christian? So I do want to talk about the having, and I want to ask you. Uh, the first time I learned about the having coming in as a 2017 noob is from Mr. Adam Meister over here when I was getting my early education, and you were talking about how. You know, when you got in, people are saying it's 2016 having. Look for the 2016 having. Hold on to your Bitcoin. It's gonna, it's gonna go up because of the having. Now that you have lived through two havings yourself, what, what was your anticipation of the having, or what was your, uh, your view of it? It's everything that I expected. Same, same thing. Uh, uh, going through the 2016 one, I remember people were very curious about what was, what was going to happen. And then it was just, you know, we had a party and it stayed pretty calm for the next six months. So this this year we had a party. It's has, it's going to stay pretty calm. Um, but what I did know back in 2016, well, as of 2016, I saw, well, compared to 2012, it's worth a lot more now. So I knew in 2020 it would be worth more than it, than it was like in 2015 when I was talking about it. So again, uh, I know that soon enough, it's going to follow the pattern again. It will be worth more once again. And we're going to have insanity uh, in 2021, probably, just like we did in 2017. Yeah, and I just, I refer, my first article or one of my first was, you know, how to profit, uh, how to get the same results as a professional trader in Bitcoin. And it's real simple. It, you just dollar cost average. And what I did with that original article, that article got read. That's how you beat much. the traders. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you wind up by, by, it's a mathematical formula. You're going to buy more when it's cheap than when it's high. 
And then when it does go up, you're, and, and I started it from the very highest level uh, in, after the peak of $1,000. If you started buying here, here's your results. And you know what? If you put in $1,000 a month since that peak of $1,000 way back when, you're a millionaire right now. So basically, that's why I say when I start, found Bitcoin, I was collecting Social Security. I put my Social Security in Bitcoin every month, and now look where I'm at. Okay, and so do I believe in Social Security? No. Do I believe in Bitcoin? Yes. And it's never too late. It's never too late. And plus, I do go short part of my hodl, but I'm never short Bitcoin. Somebody tweeted out that I said go short. No, I don't. I've never been short Bitcoin. I always have Bitcoin, but sometimes, yeah, it gets way over done up there. Also, part of it, particularly if I can get a premium for it. That's, That's what trading is. One thing, and I'm glad you just said dollar cost averaging pizza trading. I mean, a trader's freaking saying it. But going back to Christian's uh, question of me, uh, the one thing I guess that's different about 2020 that I I thought by now, it, it just Bitcoin would be much, it would be obvious to so many more people and that I wouldn't still be saying it's early. I didn't think in 2020 I would still have that line, it's early. And of course, no, you can't get Bitcoin for six hundred dollars now. That that that's true, but it, it it still is early. I mean, it's there's a lot of people out there that should know about it. That I don't know what they're doing. That they're more concerned about their social security. I, it, 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 it's it's ridiculous. Okay, I'm gonna pop your balloon a little bit, Adam. I'm gonna Did, pop a little bit. Okay, how many people that used the dollar at the turn of the century knew that we were on a gold standard? And did it really make any difference? And we say it again. You're getting quiet. Okay. For All right. At the, at the turn of the century, let's say 1890. Okay. We were, that was our blooming years, 1880s, 18, that first of the, the, the century, 19, 1900s. We were on a gold standard. How many people really knew that we were on a gold standard? They knew the dollar. The dollar yeah. was... And so they didn't really understand monetary theory then. And I don't think that the requirement of a Bitcoin standard is going to even require that everybody know about uh, Bitcoin. It's just going to be there. And and it's not a requirement for to succeed for people to know how it works or even if it's working. I think a much more likely scenario, and I might be wrong on this, but as Bitcoiners, uh, look, I live in Mexico. Uh, if they get repressive here, uh, they could even seize my body. Okay, but they're going to have a hard time seizing my wealth. They can seize me and throw me in jail or whatever, so I can move. Well, that's a tremendous uh, economic uh, power that for Bitcoiners. We can choose our jurisdictions. Yeah. And therefore, I see, uh, hopefully, the whole, when this all comes out, we're going to see governments competing with sound, to have sound money. And the only way that they can do that is to go back to a gold standard. And I see it very, I mean, I'd love, wouldn't you love to see the gold standard be competing with the Bitcoin standard? I think it'd be really cool. <laughs> I, I would like to see real competition out there, but we don't really get that much. Hey, I, I want to go back to the coin. Christian sent me a link here. Okay, I want I want to go back to this for a second. Coinbase wants to sell blockchain analysis software to the IRS and DEA a year after its neutrino acquisition. So this news broke an hour ago. Thank you, Christian. Uh, 
And well, one thing I got to say is, I, I just want to remind everyone that, you know, things coin Coinbase already has to give all your information to the IRS. I mean, wow. if you're using Coinbase, you're, the IRS knows what you're doing, dude. So right. I, I hope you're not. I hope no one out there is trying to avoid uh, the IRS by by using Coinbase. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's what KYI and, and AML is. I mean, it's yeah. basically you are giving up, you know. And so you do that. I mean, I I, I trade on the exchanges, and you know, if, if you're trading it, you know, we have we have ta- you got to file your taxes. Uh, you know, you, you gotta pay your taxes, you, you know, uh, you, I recommend you pay as, as, you know, the amount that you owe and no more, but you, there is, there are things that, that, you know, we, we, we have to be, you know, there, we can fight this thing and we can win. We're not going to win, you know, a hundred percent ever, but we can sure make for a better world with more freedom. And well, there, and there's some great causes to to you know lay down our lives for, but I'm just not sure that the one that we're that I see people protesting now, if if that's the hill, it's certainly not the hill I want to be dying on. Well, let, let's so Christian, with uh, a lot of people, uh, it seems like Coinbase is taking it to another level. Uh, with, with is this is this different than just uh, handing over? But some people say Coinbase is a sellout because they give away your uh, information to the IRS. I mean, you you sell out, you sold that, you uh, signed up for that. This right. seems to be different. Now I haven't explored what this new news is yet, though. Uh, so, so, so yeah, this is different. So one, every compliant exchange in the United States is complying with the law, which means that. At a certain threshold, they're reporting users that uh, to to the tax authorities, especially if they sell. That's the more important thing. If you sell on the exchange for dollars, that is that's a key part. But also, if you're buying large amounts, you're also being reported. This is different. Coinbase now wants to become a blockchain analysis vendor. So that means Coinbase is not only an exchange, but they're also competing with the chain analysis, the the elliptics. You know, I don't even know all of the companies, but Coinbase is now going from a custodian, a trading platform, a fiat exchange, a Bitcoin bank, to now they're also adding into that repertoire chain analysis vendor. So uh, they, again, they're doing everything except going vertical on Bitcoin, but Coinbase as an exchange, and we know that Coinbase is very, very good at chain analysis. They released a blog post that was analyzing analyzing the Quadriga CX uh, debacle from 2019. That was probably the best analysis I've seen, which pretty much shows that they are really freaking good at chain analysis as it is. They are entering the chain analysis business and they hold all the Bitcoin and they have all these user accounts. You know, you can keep listing it on, but Coinbase is just getting poopier and poopier. Wow. This is uh, developing a... Developing story here. I mean, but the thing is, they I, obviously they feel they can get away with this, uh, probably because uh, most people uh, that are newbies that are buying altcoins, what do they, they don't care about chain analysis. I mean, that, I mean, here, here we go. I mean, this is the bottom line. Most most Americans don't care about privacy at all. So you take that down not a level, yet. but but not you say just not like yet. they didn't care about guns rights until this weekend, apparently. <laughs> Who, who I still think the majority of people out there, they're just they're just happy fitting in, uh, being part of the herd, and that if if 
you know, they can get their altcoins or whatever and play around, say they're in cryptocurrency. What? They don't care about the chain. They, they'll never learn about chain. Okay. So I'm going to kind of take this to another level. Maybe you two can make your comments on it. That's why I try and make a distinction between Bitcoin and the Bitcoin standard. Because the Bitcoin standard is not, uh, it, it, the Bitcoin standard means that other prices uh, are priced in Bitcoin, that you start thinking in Bitcoin. And that's the difference between gold and the gold standard. Uh, the gold standard was actually there was a uh, the banks learned how to be banks. And we've lost that. My, my mentor, E.C. Harwood, wrote about the lost art of commercial banking. And what happened uh, is that the banks learned to create new purchasing media money that was non-inflationary. It's called self-liquidating commercial paper. So that the money created, in other words, there's no Fed involved. There's money creation, but it's created as new goods are coming into the marketplace. Now, as those goods, if they decrease or they stop increasing, that money supply is in liquidated. It, it, it's, it's called self-liquidating. You, you can actually inflate the currency, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not, you can, you can increase the purchasing media, but it's not inflationary because it also is representing not just Bitcoin or gold, but every other product coming into the marketplace. And the, the art was to judge, you know, how much do, can you create for a certain product coming into the market? Well, if you were a banker for buggy whips, you are not a very sound bank because buggy whips, you know, over the next 20 years, uh, went into de depression as far as the market, but everything else was going up. So I do think that uh, I'm not a believer in a hundred percent Bitcoin standard. I'm just not. I, I think that there. No, I, I, I think that, you know what, if we say to be your own banks, then we as hollers, we need to start figuring this out and be the modern day bankers. And it'll take a generation or two to figure it out. You know, we the gold standard did not develop in the in the early 1800s it developed after the civil war and that's where they they they, they developed they, they didn't have commercial banking until that time and then it was the federal reserve that adopted this wonderful system in 1913 and it's taken 100 over 100 years to destroy it so we got to go back to where the lessons were learned and i think if bitcoin's a standard I think we're going to build a standard. People are going to get on the standard and may not even know that they're on it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, uh, uh, six weeks ago, we had three people working for us. We got 20 people working for us now. Well, are they on the Bitcoin standard? Yes, they are. <laughs> they don't know, but, but their, their paycheck or they're getting paid is based on the Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Well, this is where I, I, I've got a question for Christian about this. I mean, this Bitcoin standard he's talking about here, things being priced in Bitcoin. I don't see it. I only see it among the 20 percenters, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I don't think it'll I don't think we'll ever be walking around in the United States and, and see things uh, priced in, in Bitcoin. And I, I don't know. I don't think well, better, better, better uh, explanation. I don't think uh, most people will value their wealth in Bitcoin. And I'm not, yeah, and I, I want to distinguish that because I don't think so either. I think every nation is still going to have a jurisdiction and Bitcoin is going to supersede the nations. So, Christian. yeah, I don't think you're going to get rid of the dollar or the pound or the franc or any of that. Your take, Christian, on, on this future uh, output. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, it's hard, really hard to tell. Um, I'm very confident that Bitcoin's going to go up and Bitcoin's going to be more relevant. Um, it's where it's difficult to tell is 
where are the other systems going to break down and not be as relevant? Um, I think it's really clear to see that the dollar is destroying other fiats right now. That is kind of like the macro thing that's happening. Um, so that's really interesting. And if you look at Bitcoin priced in other fiats, not the dollar, in many fiats, it's at all-time highs. So Bitcoin is the of the world against all these different currencies. And for the most part, it's like straight up. But the dollar is extremely strong and it's extremely liquid. And it's going to be take a long time to displace it. And really where I see Bitcoin versus the dollar is what is the most liquid good that is permissioned and what's the most liquid good that's permissionless. And it's going to take a long time for Bitcoin to compete as, you know, an equivalently liquid good that is permissionless. Um, so it's going to take a long time to get to this quote unquote Bitcoin standard. Oh, yeah. If we get to that point, though, you don't have to know what the hell Bitcoin is. All you have to know is that Bitcoin is better money. And you can go to Venezuela. You can go to all these other kind of South American countries with lesser money, African countries with lesser monies. They don't know ish about federal policy. They don't know ish about anything else. All they know is that dollar works better. And, you know, Bitcoin will work better in that case when Bitcoin is more liquid, when Bitcoin is a stronger monetary unit across the globe. But it's going to just take time and it's it's going to be hard to see how that plays out. Um, I think one thing that's in favor of a dominant Bitcoin standard is the fact that we have a global internet, we have a unified internet. And for the first time in the world, all jurisdictions are kind of connected like never before. And I think that that's bullish for, you know, this standard that is kind of all encompassing. But who like that's speculation, who knows how far it's going to go? Who knows how far Bitcoin is going to erode the power of the central banking, uh, you know, system and in the state? It, it's just hard to tell. Let me put it in even yet another way, too, because I agree everything you're saying. Bitcoin is the innovation. OK, and the next innovation, it's not going to be Bitcoin, but what we do with it. That's what's so cool. And we don't know what we're going to do with it yet. And that's why I say I, I have a standing offer for you guys. I don't know how you got old you guys are, but you're probably uh, 30 in your 30s. Um, but I'm going to guess I'm a generation older. Something than like that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm more than happy to uh, trade all the Bitcoin I have uh, for to be 40 years younger because you're going to live in some really exciting times. And I really envy you. And the challenges that you guys have is great. I mean, it's 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 a wonderful opportunity you know run with it if we're hodlers if we're our own bankers then we got to be examples and we have to take that ball and run with it all right we, what was what's the challenge exactly though for us what was the challenge i mean was it was some specific uh you said you had a specific challenge well our challenge is to make it more useful oh, okay that's okay so that that's make it more we got to figure out yeah but as you said we don't know what I mean that that is the exciting part that we don't know yeah. exactly what it's going to be. In the I would say that liquidity is utility. Like what people want is liquidity. When they want a money, they want something that that holds value and they can reliably trade. All right. Okay. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of things that happen. For example, I don't even. Everybody makes this big issue about fees and so forth. But once a Bitcoin standard happens. 
uh, we don't, we'll create our own network and we don't even need to get on the blockchain. I, you know, I already have my little Bitcoiners that I do business with. And yeah, we use it, but we could actually create, like Jimmy Song has taught me, if you want a really efficient uh, way to transact business, you, you create a, uh, uh, what is it? The, the, a database that's not that's centralized, and we can create centralized databases that are on Bitcoin uh, among each other. That's how it's going to go, guys. I mean, it really is. It's it's just incredible. I, we're a little bit this hundred percent Bitcoin thing. I think is a little too dogmatic for me. Yeah. Uh, it's not hundred percent Bitcoin, but maybe like like the world is on the metric system standard, right? Every for the most part, other than the U.S., everything is measured in centimeters, meters, whatever. I just think that at some point, Bitcoin gets critical mass where it just makes sense to measure things in sats. Exactly, I agree with you completely. You don't have to trade the UTXOs around. The, no. I think Bitcoin standard is measuring things in sats. All right, All right. let's. We're getting toward the end here. I got some close. Well, a few final questions, Christian. Any thoughts? We were we were almost going to talk about Lightning Network there. I thought it was about to come up, but it didn't get up brought up there. But also, uh, Bitcoin Core had a new release. Uh, anything you want to talk about with that Bitcoin Core Lightning Network? Well, uh, Bitcoin Magazine Aaron Van Wordum summarized the entire Bitcoin Core new release point zero two zero. You know, Bitcoin Core development. Making the, the making the protocol more efficient, uh, taking away less technical debt, uh, cleaning it up, making it you know it's Bitcoin's Bitcoin development is much more along the signs of reductive than additive. So you see a lot of this dogma from altcoiners saying that oh Bitcoin is so slow, Bitcoin is so whatever, Bitcoin doesn't innovate fast enough, and their whole development process about how do we just keep piling on new ish to our blockchain which is really the opposite of what Bitcoin core developers which are doing is our blockchain is the value transfer protocol and we need to make it as robust and as efficient as possible. So uh, the core developers continue to do that. New core developers continue to uh, continue to contribute and add to that effort. Uh, and the, the slow and steady march continues on. So this is it's awesome. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up. I just wanted to calm everybody down about some FUD that, that's out there. The security vulnerability in the uh, storage devices. Uh, there, there was some type of security vulnerability. I don't think it, it was pretty hardcore, like the way it could even be implemented. So I, I'm not worried about it. I just wanted to say, uh, did, you, did you have anything to say about the security vulnerability, uh, Christian? Whoa. Sorry, I was muted. I'm not technical. Um, I don't. I don't know the nuances of it, but from my understanding, it has to do with SegWit addresses and a specific type of signing uh, methodology, where um, if the attacker is a miner and can get you to re-sign something with a higher fee, then they can either burn your money and or uh, like as in a griefing attack to try to just make you feel bad um, or they can uh, or they can give the money to a minor or something like that. Again, it's like one of those things that it's like the perfect storm of situations of you screwing up while making transaction and a malicious person trying to attack you that has a lot of uh, that has a lot of hash rate. 
uh, they could attack you. Um, it seems as though this is obviously like not a great issue. Uh, it's not a great thing to happen. But at the same time, what is actually creating more controversy than the actual bug itself is maybe how Satoshi Labs treated uh, treated the disclosure. Typically, when these type of open source vulnerabilities are found, uh, the person that finds a vulnerability goes to everyone affected, lets them know, and gives them time to act on it. But what happened was Trezor and uh, a, a, a wallet uh, researcher or hacker discovered the vulnerability. They patched it all up, held onto that knowledge for about 90 days, released a blog post saying, here's the issue, here's how we fixed it. And then every all the other stakeholders that were kind of vulnerable were left to pick up the pieces. So I think that's where a lot of the scare, that's where the scary things happen. The reality is, is this only affects you if you have a target on your back and you're moving coins right now. Um, if you're not moving coins, this doesn't affect you. And if you don't have a target on your back and you don't have some enemy that's trying to F you over, then this doesn't affect you. This, but this you got to be careful. You got to be careful with your Bitcoins. You got to check the address that you're sending it to. Doesn't your computer need to be hacked also for this to, to work? Yeah, your your computer that you are that you are broadcasting a transaction with must be compromised. Okay, so I mean, this is such a long shot, weird thing. I, I just want to point that out, and it, and it has to involve. It is. Yeah, it's to, so yeah. it's not happening to people. Okay, I, not, yeah, yeah, yes. I, I would recommend it. It really doesn't affect a lot of us, and I thought uh, Jimmy Song and Tone were on and kind of did a great job of addressing it. I think it was this morning or yesterday, but but and then I checked with Mike. Uh, website developer and the way we take the bit pay and so forth. I don't update my Trezor. And that's what Tone was saying. You know, he doesn't either. And uh, you can update it, but if you do take take your time and clean it out and do it right. But it's just much simpler. Just, you know, you don't, I, I get a Trezor, I don't do the updates. And if, if you didn't do the update, you're using an old Trezor, it's not, doesn't even affect you. So it has no effect on my operation. And it probably has it. The only ones that it might affect is if you have a new tracer or you, well, not even a new one, if you've updated your tracer. And well, then, and, 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 I would just suggest do your own research on this. Yeah. Do Before your you own, take yeah, any yeah. of our advices, yeah, do your own research. That. Watch the, Joan, the Tone Vase video. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, but, there are experts that can be much more. Yeah, right. my, my, my experts from my trust have basically said, don't worry about it. So, All right. Yeah. And again, it's a really long shot. I mean, everybody out there, it, it has some minor hacked your computer. I mean, that that's what you've got to like narrow it down to. And no, that, that really hasn't happened. Okay. So let's, but I, so I just want to clear up the FUD because there were people who contacted me that were anytime that, you know, the word, there's a Trezor vulnerability or something, people get scared just the word it, it's scary but every time we've had these issues uh disclosures whatever it's it's so it, these are these are really long shot type of things and they they would they would never happen to the common user so let's let's get to our conclusionary thoughts because we've hit the end of the show uh let's start with the great ugly old goat thank you for for joining us today uh your second appearance on the show is there anything you want to conclude with any stories that were left out, anything you wanted to share? No, not really. I mean, uh, I just keep on hauling dollar cost average. Uh, you know, if you, if you're going to, if like people come to me because I'm a very successful trader, I publish everything that I do. 
I'm, I don't know if any, maybe there's somebody else out there that, that does that, but, but uh, I teach people, uh, it, you know, if you have a hodl and you want to learn to trade, you, you, you kind of need to throw the charts away and learn it to manage those funds. It's really money management and not this, all this other stuff. And it's, what's applicable in business uh, is also applicable in trading. There's certain principles that you need to learn. And as long as you are trading just a small part of your hobble and you reduce it, if you take some losses, you're going to do just fine. And uh, but if you don't want to trade, that's great, too. You don't need to. And that's what my articles are, are all about is, that, you know, fundamentally, there's number one is money management. OK, number two is fundamentally. And you know what? I'm fundamentally bullish Bitcoin, not because Bitcoin's innovation, but I'm fundamentally bullish because of our fiat money system and our big government. And then the very last thing I look at, and it's a distant third, is, is technical analysis. Because if you, you know, if you have, you can have all the TA in the world, but if you don't, if you're not managing those funds, you are eventually going to blow it. And so you have to get those priorities right. All right, strong hand people. That's what I say. Uh, Christian, your uh, conclusionary thoughts. Uh, thank you, Adam, for having me on. I think this is like the third or fourth time on the show. Every single time is a pleasure. Every single time I get to meet uh, someone I look up to in the space. So great meeting you, ugly old goat. Been following you for a minute. Um, I, I didn't know. I know I got all these people, and I'm glad to be in, introduced to, to you. I, I'm trying to keep up with the news, but, man, Bitcoin's so busy and so deep, it's almost impossible. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's that's the best thing about the space is just an endless uh, an endless community of just fantastic people. Um, like I said, Adam has taught me so much about Bitcoin and uh, and I learned about the having from him a lot, learned about strong hands and and hodling from him. So uh, and he's lots, lots of fun, here. you know, you, yeah. he's lots of fun. He's got he's got a, a niche, a, a shtick you got to have. You know, I'm ugly old goat. You got to have a shtick if you're going to do this. Uh, and, and, and I just want to say both. I hung out with both these guys in person, too. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, these are great guys. These are this is them for real life. This is this is who they are. And they can they can say that uh, this is me. I'm I'm the same dude in person. So yeah, I love it. I love the way you tell us about yourself. So all right, you know, now both of them are linked to below. Remember, follow them on Twitter. Christian, anything else you were going to say? You were in the middle of something. Yeah, I mean, like I, I would just encourage people to uh, be as conservative as conservative as possible. Um, never put yourself in a position where you have to sell. Put yourself in a position where you can always accumulate. Um, and that you're taking care of yourself month to month. If you have to pay your rent with that money, you shouldn't be buying Bitcoin with it. You should be buying Bitcoin with your dispensable income with the marginal difference that you don't need to spend. And guess what? If you need to spend less so you can buy some more Bitcoin, then be responsible and spend some, spend less. But don't uh, don't spend money that you can't afford to invest with because Bitcoin is volatile, but this is the biggest bull market in history. And if you can ride it out, even your 10,000 Satoshis, even your 100,000 Satoshis, they're going to make you very wealthy in the future. So just be conservative, hold on for the long haul, and uh, and have a strong hand, as Adam always likes to say. Yeah, I love that spend less mentality. Oh, yeah. Again, you don't need to get the big fancy cards, dudes, and then wonder in 2024, why does that guy have Bitcoin and I don't? No, it's because you got a fancy car you didn't need back in 2020. Uh, all right, dudes, that is it. Thank you, guest. 
All right. Uh, remember, every Saturday, every Friday, you get this this week in Bitcoin. Who knows what time? Sometimes you got a guy that's got a Bitcoin freaking staff. You, you never know what you're going to see on this show. And yes, he actually brings that Bitcoin staff out to events. I go, oh, I'll go. I got the whole of the staff. I saw the staff. <laughs> and I, I'm and I wear my mask too. But but yeah, let you, me finish with with. I was I always want to teach everybody the dance because to me it's it's yeah. everything about Bitcoin. We hodl, hodl, hodl. Okay, we save, 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 and that means that's savvy. When when you get some rewards, you know, Bitcoin's treating you well. Take your wife out to dinner and buy a new laptop. And the last thing we do is we huddle, 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 and that I mean, build a, build a, build, and that means we're building on Bitcoin. That's what all three of us here are doing, and we want you to build on it too. So that's sound money. That guy is a unique beast. He will scare you straight sometimes. He will entertain you. You don't know what's coming next. But I'll tell you what's coming next to the show. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, this from Meister. Subscribe to the channel. It's the backup channel. Pound that like button. Shabbat Shalom. We'll up new show every day. Saturday night, you'll see the Beyond Bitcoin show. Thanks a lot, guys.